everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called, Who Me? Are You Capable or Culpable? The reason for this episode is because I think more often than not, we shift the blame to others. We don't always look in the mirror at our own contribution to things. And as a result, it can get in the way of our own health care, our own well-being. So let's get into this today, guys. Thanks for joining. So for those of you that don't know this about me, um, I went to physical therapy school and the college that I went to was one in which you weren't immediately accepted into the program. You were a, um, I want to say I had my bachelor's in biology, so it was like a bachelor's in biology program. And then in the third year, I think it was, of your bachelor's program, you then had to apply to get into the PT program. So they had a whole interview process, you know, this portfolio you had to put together with recommendations and essays and all this stuff. But uh, I distinctly remember sitting down at my interview process with this panel of um, the instructors in the PT program and the head of the division and all these people who are deciding your fate, basically. And they asked a question to see where you fell ethically. And it was one I'll never forget. I don't know why. It just has stuck with me for so many years. And you didn't have advanced time to plan. You had to just answer right off, you know, the first thing that popped into your mind. The question was if you were outside of a pharmacy, basically, after hours, doors are locked, and a person goes into, like, I don't remember whether it was like a cardiac arrest or they had some type of like bee sting where they had an allergy. Whatever it was, was a life-threatening situation in which the solution to helping this person was on the other side of those locked business doors. And it was after hours and no one was there. What do you do? And the options of, you know, 911, all these other things weren't there, but it was just like, what then? What do you do? And I remember thinking... I mean, for me, life is the most important thing and the law that protects somebody's business and all that stuff should be secondary. Like any business owner should be like, I'm so grateful that you just did what you had to do to help this person, (laughs) right? Like that was my gut is like, yeah, I just break in. (laughs) And I I remember feeling like I said it and I I remember thinking, ooh, (laughs) I don't think that's what you're supposed to say here. But I went on to like justify and explain where I was coming from with my answer. And boy, it's it was a deep and loaded question because there are many times within physical therapy where you might have thought that your reasoning for doing what you were doing was for the greater good, but yet legally it was not within your scope of practice. And I'm thinking that's what they were trying to get at is like, are you going to um, respect the boundaries of the law around this important thing? Like, do you really grasp the concept that you can't just take these things into your own hands and make your own choices here, that you have these laws that you're bound by and that you have to like, you know, but I got into the program, so I never did hear what kind of conversation happened behind the scenes on that. I don't know. But I, if anything, hope that I changed some of the minds. Even here, I'm sure you're listening, and there's, I'm sure, business owners listening who are like, you better not break into my business. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's there's people who think, you know, there's always a legal way to go about it. It's just 
but if it if in the end they were going to lose their life you know I think I'd always choose that life I think I react before I even think in those moments when it's life or death because I've been in a few of those moments which is crazy to think back but I remember one time just being with my cousins and pulling up to like a toll booth and on our way up to the toll booth we were headed home from a late night concert we see this girl who's like bent around her steering wheel basically had crashed and she was like close enough to where they should have been able to see her car there but nobody had reacted so we had to turn like two of us got out and went to the girl and then the other one or two I think turned the car around on the interstate got to the other side to like help with blankets and whatever we could do but the fact that so many people had drove by this young girl and not stopped or checked in to see if everything was okay was mind-blowing and I've had so many instances of these types of things I just felt the need to address it in a podcast because oh I love the sound of the chain the train in the background I hope you can hear that <laughs> such a cool thing um, anyway so yeah there's just there's so many layers to it and I gotta think you have encountered something like this in your own life and I hope you made the right choice in that moment and if not I hope that today's episode at least gets you thinking differently next time you encounter something like this because boy it happens a lot and I think what shook me so much was the day that I realized it's not common or it's not everybody's go-to to just jump in in situations. It is my go-to. Like that immediately, I guess that's why I was drawn to healthcare to begin with because I can't see anybody else in distress and not try to do what I can. Now, when I had my boys, I became a stay-at-home mom. I never lose my doctoral degree. I'll always have that. But I stopped renewing my license for two reasons. Um, the license, license renewal is really just a step to make sure that you're staying relevant within your field. Um, you know, they want you to take continuing education courses. And what that means is a time suck for somebody like me who was a stay-at-home mom that I was taking time away from my family to keep taking these continuing education courses that I wasn't putting into action and I wasn't using. And I knew that I could go back at any time in the foreseeable future and just retake the test. And to me, that felt like what my patients deserved anyway. Because if I was going to take a little time away, I don't think these um, continuing education courses necessarily like kept me relevant and kept me up to speed and like you need to be practicing and so I always said well if I go back I just want to restudy again and be ready to take that exam again and make sure that I am ready to step back in so that was the choice I made and, and it's just like I said it was just um to get your certification back but I always have my doctoral degree so I you know it was just a matter of was I going to go back into patient care and I wasn't sure I mean I was kind of at a point where like patient care had hit a shelf life for me. Um, it's funny because I love helping people, but for somebody who's very empathetic, when you're in a field that, you know, you're constantly seeing people in pain and distress, it can really draw on your energy. If you're not grounded, if you're not like careful to just separate. And um, I've shared this story with some friends, but I'll never forget the man that would limp into my office week after week. I kid you not, like he was probably one of my longest standing clients 
everybody else I felt like I could get a resolution get them feeling really good and this guy was in agony and he wasn't making improvements and I did everything that should have given him the best case scenario and then one day so I, like I was staying after work hours like so you know we'd have like a half an hour at the end of our day for some paperwork well I would stay beyond that I'd be there like two extra hours looking through my books what am I missing looking through his records like what on earth is happening here and one day I bumped into him at Lowe's and he was walking upright normal no pain and had this huge like mulch sack or some big you know thing slung over his shoulder salt or like whatever it was was like a heavy huge bag and he was walking and when he caught eyes with me he knew he had been caught and I was devastated not because I had been sort of worked over by somebody who was clearly trying to get like workers comp benefits or um, you know disability or something it wasn't even that it was my like just I was crushed I had spent every ounce of my efforts to try to help this person who wasn't trying to help themselves or didn't even need my help and it really made me reevaluate like am I done with patient care am I ready to like go more into a supervisory role or like I just giving my all to people that didn't need it was too much to take so I was all for putting in that much effort for the people who really needed, you know, a resolution, but not for the people who are just out there to, you know, work the system. And so I, you know, it was perfect timing when my son was born, because it was like right at that same time period. And I was like, you know what, stepping away right now is a good restart and like just, you know, get rid of and shake some of that old past stuff anyway. So just to take it back for a second to my original story of the person outside the pharmacy goes into a medical emergency, what do you do? What would happen, and just question your own self for a moment, like what would you do in that exact scenario if everything had crashed, like there was no more Wi-Fi, there was, the internet didn't exist, we didn't have access to our modern laws, everything is stripped away, be it a bombing or whatever something major, some major catastrophe happened and we didn't have that structure anymore. All we had was our own morality. We had to make these decisions and choices. There wasn't consequences on either end, like complete chaos and anarchy in the streets type of time. Like what would you do if you stumbled on a situation like that? You know, if, if it just came down to a person in need of something and somebody else had the solution and your only way of intervening would be to like do harm to somebody else's stuff like to break a window to steal something that belonged to somebody else it's really like one of those things you could sit and ponder on and go back and you could debate this in a room of people and I bet every single person would have a different response because even if initially everybody would say like, oh, of course, yeah, save the person. And you really start thinking about, well, what about the other person who maybe they only had a small supply of whatever this medicine is, and maybe they already had people in need of it, um, or like you don't know, right? So it is really, really interesting to think about how you think you would react and then 
I don't know, test it a little bit, question it a little bit and really think like, is this coming from a place of because I know what's legal and what's not? Is it coming from a place of like trying to do what's best for humanity? Is it like, where do you come from? What, what is it that you're grounding and basing your decisions on? It's really interesting when you reflect back on yourself and try to like dig a little deeper and say, well, here's where my gut reaction is, but why? What is that? built on you know what where does that come from and so I definitely want to get into today more about how these very things can affect your health Uh, but also I have one more story I want to share with you guys before the break this one I might have shared in another episode for some reason I feel like I've discussed this before but might just be with some of my coaching clients in a one-to-one basis Uh, I just It's a story worth telling again, even if I have said it before, because it was the day that I literally questioned human nature and like, are people even good at our core? Like what, what on earth do we act from? You know, are most people genuinely good people or not? Because I always believed that, yeah, of course we are. Everybody would react to certain things. Everybody would jump in to help in certain situations. And it is not the case. And the day that this just fell on my shoulders was a like really heavy moment. And I will never forget it. I, I think we all have a moment or two of just being shocked by human responses and and or lack thereof of human responses and just sort of a staggering, you know, shocking moment. This was it for me. So I went, I shopped at the same grocery store for years. The people there knew me well enough. I mean, you go there every day, pretty much, or every week at least. But for me, it was practically every day because I was always forgetting something and they knew me by name. And the manager at the store was so kind. He'd always come over and talk to me and how are things and I thought, this is like, these are good people. And my whole thing is, I don't care what you do so long as you do your job well. Like, if you're bagging groceries, just do that to the best of your ability. Like, I, I, so I truly love these people at this grocery store because they always came across as super helpful, um, super kind, asking about me, you know, just like really good at what they did. Whew, until this day, <laughs> and then I actually didn't go back to the grocery store after this, and it, I don't even know, on some level, I think it was because of what happened, but <laughs> or maybe just coincidence, but I don't know. Anyway, I'm walking down the aisle with my son who was, this is the part I can picture him to the T of what he looked like. How old would he have been? Probably about two. He was probably about two. You know, he had, like, he was of an age where it was distressing to me to grab something off the shelf because every time I turned, I feared he was going to fall on his head out of the cart. Like, he needed constant eye to or hand on his tummy to, like, keep him butt down, not reaching for something or, like, you know, dangling over the side or something insanely scary. (laughs) So that's, like, a typical kid age where, like, you know, you don't stray far from the cart. You pretty much stay right there so you have all eyes on them and if they drop something, they're not gonna like tumble out of the thing to try to grab it. Doesn't even matter if they're strapped in, they would easily wiggle out. So I remember turning the corner and rolling up on the scene that shook me 
So both of the, they were young adults, uh, had Down syndrome. And they had one, I, I don't know if I would say caregiver with them. I think it was a family member, honestly. But it could have been somebody from, you know, Easter Seals or like a company um, where they were helping them with their shopping. Uh, I believe that they lived with somebody. They weren't living alone, but they were in a relationship. And I don't even know what sparked it. I just remember hearing some conversation around the woman wanting a certain food, the caregiver or, um, you know, person that was there helping them with the shopping, saying that it wasn't really something on their list or that they were, you know, supposed to be having. I remember the other individual, the male with Down syndrome, who was trying to explain to her that she couldn't have it, which then got them into this big argument. And I kid you not, it was like to fists. They started swinging, tackling. They were on the floor rolling around. Now, as I'm coming up on this, so I just, I like came in right as it all came into action. But so did like three other people. And obviously then the caregiver, the other person was, was there as well, but they were clearly overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. And every time they opened their mouth, it was like fueling the fire and making the female more agitated. And I just didn't even think. Now, even having my young son there to care for, there was like a moment hesitation. And I just said to him, you stay on your bum. But he was so even shocked by what we were seeing. He was frozen. He wasn't moving. He wasn't going to fall out of the cart. He was very much like in shock with what he was seeing. And I just got on the floor with him and I just started to talk to him. And it was clear that the woman was the one that was like fueling the fire and definitely was like, you know, she was the one that was mostly angry. So I just started asking her about what she loved to do. She wanted marshmallows. And I said, well, why do you want marshmallows? And she goes, she said something about s'mores or something and I said oh my gosh I love s'mores so much it's like one of my favorite things I love sitting around a campfire and like her and I just started having a conversation and before you know it she was just calm this is not magic guys this was just like a conversation it was like you know I just started talking to her about marshmallows and why did she love marshmallows and why was she so passionate about it and like by the end I don't even remember how like we came to resolution about it or whatever, but I was able to get her to see why they might not want her to have the marshmallows or whatever, even though it's one of my favorite things. I don't buy it either because it's got all these things in it and whatever. I don't even know. We just talked until she was calm. And then we got up and we moved on. But I remember a moment when we were on the ground and looking up and I was thinking to myself, where's the manager? Because all of these employees were walking by. I never saw him come around. I saw a bunch of other people who were shopping and not one jumped in to see if they could help or stood near my son to make sure he was safe or anything like that. It was like me against like 50 people. Like, why am I the only one that had this in them to want to jump in and help out? And... I just, I mean, if you're listening to this, go through it in your own mind and think, what would I do in this scenario? Because I hope that there are others out there listening who are as appalled as I am by how this played out. Because 
Never did the manager come over. Never did a single employee see if they could help out or call someone or anything. Never did anybody else even ask me if I needed anything or what can we do or like help out or jump in or nothing, nothing to, and it was like, I don't know, my mind is still blown to this day. It was so saddening to me because I don't know what makes people decide whether or not it's like someone else's business or not. But if you see two human beings who are this upset and they're hurting each other, how can you just sit by passively and not at least attempt to offer some help, even if you don't know what to do to help? And so even at that point, I remember still being like as devastated as I was at how that all played out and then having to explain it to my little guy like who was had a million questions afterwards about what just happened and trying to explain to him and you know why did mommy have to help and why was everybody else watching and all like he didn't get it but he had a lot of really good questions <sighs> and then I come around a corner and a woman a approached me and I think she thought she was doing the right thing here but she said to me thank you for doing that because I don't nobody else did and it and somebody needed to and I remember being like my mind was blown in that moment because you're a human being you were there why didn't you and I know that there was some part of her that it she probably wasn't capable of it she probably didn't know what to do she probably was like my two-year-old standing there like in shock with the jaw wide open and like oh my gosh because if you had been there it really was an intense moment like I thought these shelves were going to get knocked down on top of them and like we were in the aisle between the wine glasses and like the pickle jars I just remember being like oh my gosh this is this could go so bad so fast and like why would anybody let it get there but the fact that she was thanking me for doing it almost bothered me more at the time I mean now in hindsight I kind of get it because she was almost saying like I didn't have that capacity so thank you for you know offering your help because I wanted to but I didn't know what to do but what I really heard was like I'm so grateful someone did something like and it felt to me like man well like I wanted to shake her and be like why didn't you like why didn't you just help out she even commented on the fact that my son was there and like she knew that even that was hard for me to walk away from to intervene so she even saw Maybe that look on my face as I was like torn for that second of like, what, uh, you're gonna be good, you're gonna stay there on your bum, right? Like maybe she heard that talk or whatever it was, she was aware of that too, but yet didn't even just stand near the cart so that I knew somebody was there and gonna make sure he wasn't gonna fall out or, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. Those moments that if you've had one like it are just, when you start to question human kind and decency and behavior and oh it, that those are hard days really hard days because I think we all sleep better at night at least on some level believing that at the bottom of it all most people are good you know most people are good people who would jump in and help you if you were drowning most people are someone who would pull over if they see you passed out at the wheel on the side of the road and when you start to question that, you start to question everything, you know, what you've believed about people your whole life. Were you wrong? <laughs> Is this not how 
people commonly react because that's a scarier world to live in. I don't want to live in a world where I question whether somebody would jump in and give me the Heimlich if they see me choking on something or do their best to at least call 911. <laughs> you know, you want to believe that something kicks in, some kind of goodness in there that just wants to intervene and help. And yeah, so reflect on that a little bit. Uh, I got a quick commercial break, but when I get back, I want to get into the healthcare aspect of all of this and how it can, this question of who, me, are you capable or culpable? Um, where does that play into health? All right, guys, don't go anywhere. Okay, guys, so this is the first time that I am announcing this, but I have a brand new private Facebook group called Connection Beyond Struggle for a Grieving Soulmate. Um, it is a private group, and it is for people whose soulmate has passed away. And so it's an amazing place where people can make connections with other people that understand the same struggle and start finding ways to make connections again in their life. Um, it also has my professional grief coaching experience inside and I will be happily sharing my own personal experiences and updating with lots of lives and all kinds of other things. Guys, there's a lot of great stuff inside here. The only thing is it is just for people who have lost their soulmate, um, really wanting people to be able to find like-minded people who are going through the exact same struggle that they are. So if you or anybody that you know fits those qualifications, then I will drop the link in the description and I hope you guys join me and I see you on the inside in there. All right, back to the show. So in today's show, I wanted to get across my point of, you know, looking inside a little bit, how you would react in crazy situations that you might find yourself in. I know I have several times in my life, all kind, I mean, I could go on and on with the stories of the crazy things I've seen. I've seen a 14-year-old jump behind a steering wheel of a car and almost take out a whole parking lot of people. Like, just crazy things. And you wonder, like, you hope that one person jumps into superhero mode, so to speak, and just tries to help everybody. Because for a lot of us, there's a, a moment of shock or just having to take in what's even happening. And some people just go right into action. So just contemplate a bit, like, which are you? But now when we start looking at our own health care, where do we fall for that? How much ownership do you take over the health decisions you make? Are you capable of making the changes? And is it just easier to sit back and, oh, I have diabetes. Do you have diabetes? That's an interesting thing, right? So think about that for a second. Yes, I'm a type one. So for me, I do have diabetes. My body attacked its own healthy cells, so I'll always have type 1 diabetes. But for a type 2 diabetic, it's a choice. You might argue with me on that. I know a lot of people will probably be up in arms when they hear that. But there's diet and exercise and other lifestyle choices that can be made to change that diagnosis. So, <laughs> are you culpable? <laughs> right? We're asking, are you capable or culpable? Really think on that for a minute. If you're capable of making changes to what you're doing and you're choosing not to, I would argue that makes you culpable. So I get frustrated sometimes with insurance companies because they will treat type 1 and type 2 as though it's the same thing. So this is just my own personal thing and I've been wanting to talk on this forever and like this was initially what I was going to do for a business prior to my husband passing. 
I wanted to change the name of type 1 diabetes, which is the childhood onset, not having to do with diet and exercise. It's an autoimmune disorder where your body attacks its own healthy cells, so it no longer produces things that it needs. So that's the best way to dummy it down a little bit. So to me, type 1 diabetes should be called livabetes because you're living with it. Type 2 diabetes, you are dying from it. You have options in your life that, and now there are cases, of course there's always cases. There could be somebody who's stuck on bed rest or has MS or something, some other, you know, contributing factor that makes it so they can't exercise or eat a certain way. And, you know, this might be just a factor they can't address. So it's not always the case. But that's not to give an excuse to those of you who do have it within your own capable control. Because if you do, and this is not just a diabetic conversation, it's just a beautiful opportunity for me to introduce my thoughts on this because I hear it spoken of so incorrectly all of the time in the media. People don't understand and they confuse the two diseases. They are very different diseases, almost like night and day. They just really don't have so very little to do with one another other than like the outcome, right? Like everybody's suffering from the same symptoms in the end where you could, you know, lose your eyesight or lose a limb, um, you know, other things similar. But it's such a different cause that they deserve two different names. I think livabetes and diabetes is would drastically change. I know even as a practitioner, when I was first starting out as a physical therapist, I knew there was two different types of diabetes, and I knew one was a childhood onset, and I knew one was an adult, I knew one was autoimmune, one wasn't, like, but I could not, for the life of me, keep them straight. So every time I'd have to scramble to my books and look it up when somebody said, oh, I've got type 2, oh, I've got type 1, I always had to look it up. It's so ridiculous that it couldn't stick in my brain. But why not? Well, because they're so similar. (laughs) Why on earth do they have a 1 and a 2 next to them? Why don't they have different names? They're different diseases. And I offended the woman once. Oh, I offended her so much because I asked her, do you have type 1 or type 2? And she said, you're seriously asking me that? Obviously, I'm a type 1. And I never understood that until I got type 1 diabetes. And I know why she was offended. Because if you have type 2, you should be obese. And she was very slender. And I'm sure that it was offensive to her that I had to question which it was. And I just discreetly said, you know, I apologize. I have to ask everybody. You know, it's like like I made it sound like a requirement when in fact it wasn't. And in fact, it was the fact that I couldn't keep them straight for the life of me, even though I'd been, I probably had it on my PT exam. I probably had it on my you know, every examination from the time I started school, I just couldn't keep them straight. I don't know why. Those numbers was just like, it was mind-boggling to me. But anyway, yeah, so in my perfect world, someday I will have livabetes and not diabetes. So I'm just putting that out there to the listeners out there. But anyway, my story with all of this really comes down to whether it be diabetes or anything else, if you have anything you're contributing potentially to the problem, that makes you culpable. And if you're capable, (laughs) then change it. Change it today, not change it tomorrow when it's a life or death situation, or you could lose a limb or your eyesight. Because most of us don't snap into action 
until necessity hits, until you're going to lose a limb, until you're going to die of cancer, until you're, you know, you're having some massive thing that's requiring this massive action. Why are we waiting for that? Boy, my husband's cancer, if we had known about it, you know, a year or two prior to when we found out about it, he'd probably still be walking this earth today. And is it possible that we could have discovered this sooner? I mean, he didn't have headaches for two years, but he could have gone in for a regular checkup. Maybe his vitals would have shown something. Maybe his blood work would have shown high white blood cell counts. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what might have triggered something, but he wasn't going in for anything. He would wait until something was messed up enough and then he waited long enough trying to hope it would go away or change a few things like he kicked coffee because he thought his migraines were coming from you know caffeine and then and then he blamed oh the headaches are because I kicked the caffeine and then after that didn't seem to be the the cause oh I'm probably dehydrated he upped his water that didn't work like why are you spending so much time trying to be the doctor and fix it on your own if he had gotten seen sooner he might still be here so it is a little cautionary tale, but also if you know that your stress levels are high and you're having anxiety or you're having heart palpitations or something like that, you need to find a way today to calm that down, get the cortisol down. You know, I love my cortisol talks. You've got to get that stress hormone down, get everything else. So that way all these other numbers can fall into good order. Cortisol actually quite literally affects every single one of those things in almost every single type of disease. So it's major and that part needs to be addressed for everybody. But so do all these other things. <laughs> Exercise, diet, water intake, mindset, spirituality, and like, you know, getting everything calm and meditation and all of these things are actual real things that need to be considered not considered once you're diagnosed, not considered once you've been told that you have an expiration date, not figured out once you know you know that if you don't, you could end up with these major problems. Do it today. Do it for your family. Do it just for peace of mind because maybe you don't even realize that there's this little whisper in the back of your head that's like a little worried. Like I know people who have family histories of cancer and so because of that, they dread the mammogram. They dread the prostate exam. They don't go in for the colonoscopies. They don't go in for any of the stuff they should be doing just to have the peace of mind. Because it's like to them, well, I don't have to stress out about it because I'm not going in. I'm not going to find out. I'm just not, you know, bury my head in the sand. It does not work. You need to do this stuff so that you can know and then you can start to fix the problem. But I'm here to say today, I truly believe that if you are capable of fixing it and choosing not to, it makes you in the culpable category. You are a part of the problem, my friend. I hate to say it, but you need to address it, face it head on. It's hard stuff. It's emotional stuff. But the feeling you get on the other side, I was just talking to um, somebody I was grief coaching with today about the scale. And if you think about it, all of your fears and worries about it are on one side, but all of the good stuff that could come out of having that appointment, let's say, is probably so much more. It's not an evenly balanced scale, and yet we let this one little thing on the other side of the scale dictate and determine everything else. Like, 
oh, but if it's bad, oh, if it's wrong, like, oh, no, I've got this family history. I don't even want to see. I don't even want to know. You let that one little thing mean all this good stuff on the other side is neglected, like your peace of mind, your family's peace of mind, your kid's peace of mind, your kids know. I mean, listen, think for a second. If you're sick, your kids need to know it, too, because it means that it's a family history for them. Like all of these things, there's a lot of good that can come out of knowing everything's fine or even knowing that there's a problem. But the not knowing is just this one little thing you're giving all this power to. Like, if I don't know, it's not a problem. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this is not a game of hide and seek where you can cover your eyes and no one can see you. The problem still exists and needs to be attacked. And the sooner you do it, the better your outcomes can be. So, and that goes for anything. Like, I mean, again, even I'll go back to diabetes, for example. You know, why put it off till tomorrow? Because if you're close to a point of losing your vision or losing a limb because the nerves have been damaged, you know, all of these things can't necessarily be erased or undone once it's gotten to a certain point. So don't wait until you're at that point. And listen, this is just as much a talk for me. I need to sit with this a bit too because, you know, my A1C, which is what basically the doctors use to say whether you're doing well with your blood sugars or not, they're not on point right now. I'll tell you right now, the best they've ever been was when I was pregnant with my children. And why is that? Well, it's interesting. I clearly put the lives and the health of my children above my own because I was able to hold it together so well that my blood sugar was better than that of a non-diabetic during the times of my pregnancies. And why is that? Because the alternative is if you have high blood sugar during pregnancies, your children can have birth defects. And for me, that wasn't a risk I was willing to take. But then I, you know, I have to think on that for a minute because why am I willing to gamble my own health, well-being in life? Like, why am I not doing it for me? And I can tell you for certain, I don't want my kids to end up being caregivers because I can't see anything and I've lost, lost my vision or because I suddenly need some kind of assistive device and can't walk on my own. My doctor told me the numbers I have, I could continue on like this for a good decade and not ever have a problem. But can I continue on for the rest of my life like that? No, it's going to catch up with me eventually. So today's the day. And if you haven't really sat with that and thought about, you know, your own ownership over your own health, then take a minute and think about what you could make improvements on. And it doesn't have to be massive improvements. You know, these little shifts are everything. And actually, the little shifts are more sustainable. When you try to do the cold turkey and all in and yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I'm gonna tomorrow I'm eating nothing but healthy foods and organic and I'm all water. I'm getting rid of the soda and the coffee and the alcohol and and all these things, if you do all that at once, I mean, I'm here to say, I'll see you again on the next episode where you can tell me all about how much you failed in that week, you know, because it's never going to be sustainable. There are very few people who have succeeded with a cold turkey approach all in from a drastic negative place to a drastic positive place without big setbacks. Um, and often when you screw up, when you do try and attempt that big jump, it's usually worse off than how you started. So if I, you know, like I'll use weight as an example here, but if you weighed 170 pounds, let's say, 
and then you went on this big health shift and I'm gonna get so healthy and then your weight went all the way down to let's say 140 so from 170 to 140 the problem is you're likely to end up at 200 you know or 190 or not even just falling back to your old 170 it's likely you'll go the extreme the other direction so I just caution you with that, not just for health, but for exercise and diet and anything you tackle in life. When you're, you have a goal, don't set your sight so high to expect to get there tomorrow. You know, give yourself some little smaller incremental steps along the way. You can then also celebrate your wins along the way, which feels a lot better than like looking at the scale and not seeing any changes and feeling defeated all the time. You know, keep it reasonable achievable and celebrate the successes but don't try to overachieve and set things so high and I'm yeah I'm I'm fired up to do this so I'm gonna, you know it's going to be Everest it's not going to I'm not just going to go you know up red hill in the background I'm going to nail Everest <laughs> it's just not those aren't the goals you need in life you need to just give yourself a few hills before you hit a mountain then give yourself some basic mountains before you start going for like these huge peaks, you know? And then I think you're gonna find it much more sustainable in the long run when you attack it in that way. So I hope that today you're walking away reflecting a little bit on your own um, decisions and what you would do in scenarios and, you know, questioning just the line of what is right and where do we place human life on our scale of right and wrong and when do we jump in and intervene versus hiding behind a you know a veil of I didn't know what to do or I wasn't sure if it was not my business like I don't know life humankind is our business right it just is we should care we should care about our neighbors and we should jump in when we see wrongs and try to help out I mean I do try to tell my kids all the time that sometimes, because my, my oldest son has this thing he does where like he can't stand to see injustices and will put himself in the line of fire often. And so it's a tough one for our children, but it's a tough one for us too to make that choice of when when is it a good choice to jump in and offer our hand and when is it best to stay out of other people's stuff? But I'm here to say, if you're seeing something where you know you could contribute some good to the situation, just raise your hand. What's the worst that could happen, right? I mean, what is the worst that could happen? Somebody doesn't need your help, doesn't want it. You know, they get mad at you. I mean, I don't know. I'm all for doing what feels good and right in my heart and that I can lay my head down at night and feel good that I did the best I could in the situation. And, you know, you have to decide what that is for you. And I know I really want to see you succeeding with your health goals, not ending up in similar shoes to me where something like cancer takes someone you love or your own life. Um, so don't neglect anything major or important or you know, just go in for regular visits. Just go in to let the doctor tell you, wow, you're great, your blood, sh blood pressure's great, blood sugars are great, your lipids are great, your cholesterol's great. You know, looked at all your blood panels, everything's perfect. Great. It's not a waste of time. It's gonna give you a success that you deserve and you need to hear and that will keep you motivated to stay that way. 
and if you get bad news, it gives you opportunity to get ahead of it and make good changes before it's too late. So guys, hope you have a great weekend. Um, when I'm recording this, it's actually 4th of July weekend, so hopefully everybody stays safe, has so much fun, and I will see you on the next one. Thanks so much for joining in as always, guys.